I've actually spoken with one of the supervisors of the interconnection process, and they essentially only had three interconnection specialists throughout the entire state of Florida. This is the Contractor's Corner podcast series from Solar Power World. Hey everybody, I'm Kelsey Mesbrenner, uh, Managing Editor with Solar Power World, and I have a special guest today, Kelly Pickerel, our Editor-in-Chief, is on. Hey, Kelly. <laughs> hey, Kelsey. How's things been with on your end? It's It's been good. I mean, you got to travel to InterSolar, so you've actually been seeing some stuff, so yes. tell me how that was. Yeah, it was very, it was a little weird. They were good about masks and they were very good with the coronavirus situation, but yeah. um, it was it was cool to be able to see products again and put faces to names or at least the top half of faces. Um, <laughs> right. And then there was another really great solar games where just really impressed with the craft of solar installation and Soul up one for the second time, which is pretty nuts. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, you got to see the first solar games yep. two years ago. So like, how did it compare? Like, was it, did they bring more of their competition this time? Yeah, there were, um, I think more than double the teams of the first yeah. time. The roof setup looked a little different. It was a little bit lower. So you could really see it from all angles. So people were just walking by and um, mm-hmm. just stopping and watching you're like at eye level with the people competing. So it was a little intense for them probably, but just really a much more intense competition this time you had the teams like casing each other in the other rounds. I mean, it was, <laughs> it was intense because a lot more money was at stake. So yeah, that's uh, really cool. And yes, for soul up to win it two years in a row, that's, that's great for them. Yeah. That says a lot about how good they are and attuned yeah. to the details. <laughs> very yeah, cool. Very cool. It was fun. So um, what is going on with panel news? I know some tariff decisions were just made. Can you tell us a little yeah. bit about that? Yeah. So finally the um, section 201 tariffs, whether they were going to be extended, what was going to happen was finally announced like the day before they were going to expire. So the Biden administration was really going down to the wire. But the what, what's happening is they basically continued the tariff amount. Um, for the last year, it's been like 15% on imported solar panels. So they dropped it to 14.75% for this year. And then for the next four years, it's going to drop by 0.25%. So by what is it 2026 it's going to be 14% tariff so there's really no difference i think that was like the minimum that they could actually drop it to continue the tariffs so basically it's the same tariff amount for imported solar panels and then also for imported crystalline silicon solar cells they upped the quota of cells that could come into the country without being tariffed from 2.5 gigawatts to five gigawatts. And that's, it's something, I mean, for the past two years, our country didn't even import 2.5 gigawatts of solar cells. So whether we're actually going to meet that, I mean, that's kind of 
it's up to whether we're going to have this manufacturing resurgence that everybody keeps talking about. And that's really dependent on the build back better bill, you know, mm-hmm. and whether that's going to be passed, whether we're going to get credits for manufacturing solar panels, whether we'll get some new manufacturing facilities in the country. So we're still waiting on that. And now what they're saying, maybe it's going to be after the state of the union, probably if that even gets passed. So who knows? Yeah. And then you have that competes act, which also gives some incentives for manufacturing too. Right. Right. There's something that just passed the house and it like awarded what was like six, six billion, I believe something or 3 billion. It's a lot. It's a, in the billions, a lot of money just for solar panel manufacturing. And there's a similar bill working through the Senate right now. So there's, there's a lot of bipartisan support of solar. It's just a matter of getting that language and the right bills to kind of get passed. Okay. <laughs> I also want to point out bifacial solar panels. They are excluded from the new, the extended solar panel tariffs. Many major U.S. manufacturers of solar panels say that because of the bifacial extension, the tariffs in general are pointless because the country is definitely taking advantage of that bifacial exclusion and importing a lot of bifacial panels. Uh, I was looking at this NREL report and it said in 2020, almost 27 gigawatts of solar panels total were imported. 12 gigawatts of that had the tariff, paid the, the section 201 tariff, but then probably 10 gigawatts came through that were not tariffed and those are bifacial. Mm. So that's growing. If you think about 10 gigawatts of panels came into the country and they were bifacial, that means utility scale projects are definitely using bifacial. They're bumping up. They're not using monofacial panels anymore. So those bifacials taking over. And if they're not being tariffed, you know, that's what's going to be used in these projects. So it's, I don't know. We'll see. I don't think people aren't buying U.S. solar panels because foreign panels are inherently cheaper. I mean, U.S. manufacturers cannot meet the demand that this country has. I mean, we're, we have so many more solar panels that we need than what the country can produce. But if, you know, it's kind of like these, the U.S. manufacturers, they just don't have the supply for these big contracts, like for these big utility scale guys, they want to like lock it in that they're going to be able to get two gigawatts of panels from someone and and the U.S. just can't supply that. So there's a lot of things moving. We'll be watching the Build Back Better Act. Hopefully that will come through. That's kind of where all of our eggs are in that basket. So we'll see. Mm -hmm. Okay. Lots to (laughs) keep an eye on solarpowerworldonline.com about because we are following this very closely, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I mean, there's tariffs for everything. We have the steel tariffs, aluminum tariffs. You were reporting on the tariffs on, you know, Chinese inverters. So there seems to be every little pocket of solar has something going on. Yeah, absolutely. And then the other big news item right now, um, as far as policy is in California with the Public Utilities Commission delaying their decision on what happens next with net metering. And um, we've also- Yeah, been... they use that word, what? Indefinitely it's postponed. That's a pretty strong word, but yeah. it'll probably get revisited sometime this year, right? 
most definitely the the uh, newest commissioner just wants more time to take a look at what the other options are um, as far as maybe changing this proposed decision because the industry and customers came out in force against adding these huge grid use charges and changing it to net billing. Wood McKenzie actually predicted that that proposed decision would cut California's residential solar market in half by 2024 Mm -hmm. because the payback period, it goes from three, four years to 15 or so. So that just does not work out for the average American family. And and yeah, like you said, people are vocal against it. I mean, there were hundreds of people who called into that meeting that they weren't even supposed to talk about solar to to complain about this. And it's not just solar installers, it's the general public. They they want their solar. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. And then uh, Governor Gavin Newsom, even when asked about this, said some changes need to be made. So I think we can assume that the proposed decision will change but I do not know how much. So I will be talking with CALSA to figure out what what they think this next iteration might look like and what it'll mean for the installers. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, I feel like, you know, December is always a quiet month. January was kind of quiet. Things are starting to pick up. We've got a lot that we're covering and things going on. (laughs) Yes, for sure. And then at the same time, on the fun side of things, We've got our big launch that will have just happened when we release this episode. Yeah, Top about- Solar Contractors, yep. it's time. We're coming off last year was our 10th anniversary of the list. And so 2022, Top Solar Contractors, we're, we're back at it again. The application is on our website. It's free. Anyone, um, any solar installation company in the United States can apply. We have you know, everything explained on our websites. We have a frequently asked questions section. Please, you know, look at it if you aren't aware of what top solar contractors list is. Um, We have some new things this year. We're dividing up our residential and commercial lists a little bit differently so people can accurately reflect what markets they're working in. But we love this time. We love talking with installers. And so we want to hear your stories. So yeah, visit the website, solarpowerworldonline.com and get those applications in <laughs> yeah. deadline is, is may, but we like them early. So yes. get them in. <laughs> you get extra points in our hearts for submitting early. Um, right, and then right. we also will be continuing our special individual awards, which was a really fun thing that we started last year. So nominate um, solar install pros and um, people in your company who are going above and beyond there's a special section on our website where you can do that too. So, yeah, I think we call those the top solar champions awards. We focus a lot on installation companies as a whole. So this was a really cool way to fit, focus on the individuals doing really good work in design and installation and sales and just being vocal in their community. So yeah, we got a lot of cool awards that you can apply to for this year. All righty. Well, Things are heating up and we're, we're excited for this year. So thank you for joining me, Kelly. Yeah. I'm excited to hear this uh, interview coming up with yes. for Contractors Corner. It's, yeah. it's been cool for you to, for you to take over this year. So I'm excited to hear more interviews. 
Awesome. All right. <laughs> well, on to our um, my interview with Sunlight Solar out of Orlando. We're talking about the residential market down there and um, some supply chain issues they're dealing with and how they're how they're coping. So listen in. Hey, everybody. I am here with Mick Geth. He is the project manager for Sunlight Solar out of Orlando, Florida. We've been hearing a lot about Florida lately with net metering, so I thought it would be a good month to talk to our Florida installer here. So, Nick, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Kelsey, so much. I appreciate being here. So let's start off um, with the question that I ask all of the installers. How did you personally get into solar? Um, so for me, um, I actually had a background more in the, I had worked in electrical companies before uh, when I was much younger. And then actually a lot of the time I had spent a lot more time of myself on the number side, doing more of the financing and project analysis. And then essentially I had a friend that was in solar. She was actually the general manager, reached out to me and she's like, well, why don't you want to just try and do solar? And I was like, well, it's up and coming. I don't think it's going anywhere. You know, things are always popping and, um, you know, let's give it a shot and roll with it. Okay. So how long ago was that? Would you say? That was about three years ago. Okay. So were you an electrician or you just worked in the electrical business in other capacities? I had worked in electrical business prior for mm-hmm. me. It went from electrical in my uh, mid twenties um, down in South Florida. Then from there, I graduated college spent a lot of my times in the finance and doing financial analysis and then worked in the hotel industry for about three years in Orlando. And then from there, after that, things had slowed down and luckily I'd actually just exited right before COVID hit. So I was lucky. Yeah. Seriously. Good time to get out of the hotel business. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very serious. Okay. All right. So tell me about your role at Sunlight. Are you crunching numbers mostly as the project manager? Uh, right now, we're doing a lot. Uh, we've we've uh, grown over the last couple of years doing um, essentially the projects at baseline of around 200 projects um, from beginning to close. And now we're well above the 700 mark, um, doing quite a bit of commercial too. Right now, for me, I am doing the a lot of the interconnection side, making sure that things are progressing from the contract, essentially past the design point from the processors that work in the building and making sure that things are good to go. There's been a lot in the news lately of these interconnection queues being so backed up. Even just today, I read about PJMs up here um, in the North, but I'm sure it's just hard everywhere to get your projects pushed through. Yeah, I mean, honestly, just to give you an idea, I've actually spoken with one of the supervisors of the interconnection process for, I don't want to name drop, but um, FPL, and they essentially only had three interconnection specialists throughout the entire state of Florida. And they had actually just retired one of them. So you have two people running everything from uh, mid Florida all the way down to South Miami. So it's, it's too much. I kind of thought that it would be a staffing issue because this is a very new technology and people are trying to get in and they have not ramped up to meet that demand. Very true. And, and what's crazy is when I spoke to her on the phone, she got to the point where she just wanted to cry. 
that's where she was at. She was just kind of demoralized with the whole thing. Um, you know, the guy had retired and she had two other, you know, the one other person working for her. And that was pretty much it. They were at this point where they were just like head over heels, stumbling. She essentially said, please don't call me anymore. If you can avoid it, just send me an email and we will try to help as best we can. And that was the end of the conversation. And that was kind of it. My, my GM speaking to me was in pure panic and like, well, we have things that we have to process and get moving. And you have these customers that, you know, want to make sure things are getting fulfilled, which don't always happen. So. Man, that seems like an area that really needs to be looked at from like a policy standpoint. They need more money to help everyone else. <laughs> and, and they have it. They definitely have the money to do it. It's just not everyone wants to do it. That's true. That's- right. Okay. Bigger story here that I will probably be working on the next couple of months because that, okay. yeah. Okay. So next, tell me what's been the most rewarding moment of your solar career so far? Honestly, uh, again, won't name drop uh, specifically, but in the last um, six months, I did kind of help negotiate with uh, one of the universities and things have been going well. So um, progress, it's already installed, things are good. So just making light of that. One of the things that I enjoy with the solar is not so much the selling side. I do enjoy that. But at the point of actually helping this internal sales reps, building calculators to where they make the process easier, things like that. So that way, when they're in a home or dealing with the consultation at a, at a not only residential, but the commercial side and being able to do it quick enough to where they feel confident in what they're doing. Yeah. What can you tell me what university that was that you installed for? I can't. You can't. OK, but I'm sure I it'll can't. come out maybe in the next couple months. Maybe. OK. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. We want to know. Yeah. We, we love college solar. I think that's that's a really cool sector. Yeah. Tell me, how does Sunlight Solar stand out from others in the business? Well, for one, we are family owned and operated. We are what you would consider, you know, we're not small, but we've been around since 2003. The master electrician's been doing, you know, building solar since 1978 on three different continents um, in Europe, South America, and North America. So there's a lot of knowledge in the company. Um, They push out a lot of solar on on a yearly basis. Um, and now we have over 90 sales reps within the company um, moving throughout the entire district of Florida. So we're, wow. we're moving along. Things are good. We'll be right back. Today's podcast is sponsored by CompanyCam. With CompanyCam, there's no more second-guessing what's getting done or pestering your crews to send you pictures. Every photo and video your workers take at a job is automatically organized by location and instantly synced from the field to wherever you are. Now you'll know exactly what's happening across your company. Get started today at companycam.com backslash solar. That's companycam.com backslash solar. Today's podcast is also sponsored by Scanifly. Are you sick of climbing on ladders, tape measuring roofs, and drafting layouts from scratch paper? How about guessing tree heights and estimating shading? Well, now you can ditch your 19th century tools and scale the 21st century's energy source. 
Scanifly is the only drone-based solar software focused on automating the survey and design stages of your solar project's life. Using Scanifly software and drones, you can reduce your time by up to 90% while keeping two feet on the ground and capturing perfect accuracy. You can submit an approved on-site shading analysis, automatically export designs to AutoCAD and SketchUp, and share a 3D model with your customers. Interested in flying drones? Over 750 people have already signed up for Scanifly's free Surveyor Associate program to learn about becoming a solar drone pilot. Join Scanifly now at scanifly.com backslash surveyor associate program. Now back to the show. Tell me, what is the most unique project that your company has completed since you've been there? Um, the most unique uh, was probably last year. Um, it was Port Canaveral. That wasn't anything that I was involved in particularly, but the ops manager, actually one of the family members that I had just been speaking about, he was involved in that. A beautiful system, roughly about a little over 100 panels, but it's uh, right on, um, right on near the waterline and mm-hmm. Port Canaveral. It's, what kind of is it a ground mount uh, canopy array or is it on a building? It's actually on a TPO roof on top of one of the uh, stations there. So they um, it's almost it almost looks like a ground mount the way it's lined up. Each one's okay. lined with the, the, the Iron Ridge ra- mounting rack and it looks pretty good. Okay. You sort of touched on this earlier, but what is preventing you from installing more projects? So truthfully, the biggest thing that we have right now is the supplying issue. Um, I, I'm constantly on the phone with one of the CED account managers, Soligent, talking to all these different reps, trying to get an understanding of what's in supply, what's not. And truthfully, one of the biggest things is that it's just having, having the right a product for the consumer that's actually coming in and says, hey, I want this. You know, I'd like to move forward. And then you give a call and try to get it and it's just unavailable. And it more along the lines of holds things up. It doesn't stop it, but it just it just kind of puts a barrier in between finalizing something that should have been done. Mm. So you can't check that box. It's like kicking it down the road. Yeah, okay. it's just constantly dealing with it to make sure it gets settled. It does eventually get settled, but it just takes way longer than it should. Yeah. Okay. And then obviously the interconnection issues you talked about before probably yes. don't, don't help. Yeah, they don't help. You know, there's a lot, there's a few of them I can think off the top of my head. I, I don't want to like beat utility companies up, but you know, you have these, these, you know, not only FPNL, you have Duke, a lot of these companies out there pushing, you know, they'll, they'll, at, they're at this point where they'll, they'll do anything to hold up a project. And that's part of the problem. You don't want to have it to where it's, it's that that's the case. But at that point, that kind of just lines the road with all sorts of difficulties trying to make the consumer happy. And they're not only a client of ours, but they're also a client of the utility company themselves. And they don't see it that way. So it's, it's tough. Yeah. It's tough for sure. Um, is your company involved in the net metering legislation? Are you calling in and going to the meetings? I honestly wish I was paying enough attention to it. I just don't have the time. Yeah. Um, I know I know my GM has been kind of paying attention to it, but I don't know if they're strictly involved in it right now. I know okay. there's a ton of problems with it. Yeah, it's uh, new. I, yeah, I know that the hearings are just kind of starting. So we'll be covering that 
and hoping for the best for all you installers. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and then what are some future product trends you're looking forward to? I mean, it's not so much a product trend as it is a product itself. Um, for us, it's the IQ8s that are going to be coming out pretty soon for the microinverters. I like them because we do deal with batteries, but at the same time, it not only makes the, the panel wattage allowed to be more accessible, but it also makes it to where we have this efficiency of being able to power the home, supposedly, once we get our hands on it, um, to power the home during daylight hours. Essentially yep, without, without a battery. battery. Yep. Yeah. So we're excited about it. I'm excited about it because it makes it more appealing to these homeowners that are trying to push for stuff without having to pay an extra $12,000 for something or so 13, 14, $15,000 doesn't make sense all the time. Not everybody needs it. And most people aren't out of power with, you know, more than seven days out of the year anyway. So it's a, it's a good bonus for some of these guys. Do you find that a lot of customers think solar already is just able to power their home without the grid? We have a lot of those, actually. We try to we try stipulate, hey, this is actually not what it's for. It's a good thing to have the knowledge, and we kind of walk them through. Um, we'll even invite you know any person that wants to come in here and kind of have a meeting over it just to learn a little bit about it. Um, we've had a few of those over the years, probably, I mean, since I've been here, probably 13 or 14, um, just to come by and just kind of understand whether or not it's either uh, in person or doing a meeting through one of the Enphase apps just to see how it works. But uh, most of the time, it's it's pretty straightforward enough to where they don't have to do that. But now the IQ8 might change that conversation because what they assume is actually true, that they will be able to be off the grid if they need to during the daylight off, hours. During the daylight <laughs> hours, yeah. Let's stipulate that one just a little bit. Yeah, yeah during the daylight hours, yeah, for sure. And it's a, it's a good thing. It's a very good thing. Yeah. So. Okay. So do you think that more products like that might be rolling out in the next couple of years? Do you kind of see the future in that? I do. Um, especially short-term, I do see people kind of seeing this grasp to make things easier for the homeowner and see the value in actually being able to power stuff without having it to be a nighttime transition. So mm -hmm. I think it'll be very good. I really do. Um, I guess we can uh, end with what, what do you think the status of the Florida solar market is and where do you see it going? I do see it growing. I do see a lot of headache for the um, utility companies coming their way. Um, as you had already mentioned about the, um, you know, the, the status of the fighting that's going on right now to give you an idea. I mean, Duke right now just implemented something that's really aggravating homeowners because they don't get notification of, hey, you're now getting a service, an extra 15 to $30 service charge that's static that won't change. So you have these people that are just coming out and just being upset and they get upset at us. But at the same time, we're, we're right there with them. We don't have, an, um, we don't have the, the, the full grasp of the situation until after the fact of when it actually happens. So it's just a huge grasp of it. And there's companies that are doing it. Not even Duke is, not even Duke is the only one. That, I mean, it's happening on a, on a gross basis of you know, every single day. Just so. the rates changing you're talking about? Rates changing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, new, new, you know, quote unquote, new services that are coming in. Hey, we need to charge you guys for this. Another way for them to make money. And it just comes out to where it's essentially disgusting. Um, it's not what, what anyone's here for. 
it's just an excuse for them to get more money in their pocket. And it's just not nice. Right. And is that motivating more people to try and get some energy into their own hands with solar? These rate yeah, changes? I mean, yeah. it, it is. It is. And that's another thing, you know, a lot of the, a lot of the people that are interested in this, that do see the value in it, end up going back later and realizing that even these people that do have this, um, this value in seeing the, the solar come in, they want to get their payback. They want their, their credits coming in from the utility companies. And even that is being fought right now. So that's something that's, you know, crazy to me. You know, this is something that's been stipulated by every single utility company. And it's just another, crawl, you know, essentially another crawlback that they're taking their word away. So it's, it's, it's tough. And that's why this whole legislation thing's going on right now. Okay. Any last thoughts before we wrap up? I mean, honestly, you know, we've been based in, in Florida and in the, in the Orlando area, but we've been serving all the way from the Panhandle all the way down to the Key West area. And things have been good. I mean, I, I have no complaints. I started out here, not even as a project manager, um, as a processor doing designs and essentially growing from residential to commercial and, you know, things have been good. So I wouldn't be here if things weren't getting better. So yeah, yeah. Even, even with COVID, things are getting better. This has been another edition of Contractors Corner. Join us each month as I talk to solar contractors across the country. Thanks for listening to the Solar Power World podcast. Visit us online at solarpowerworldonline.com for more great featured content and breaking solar news. See you back here next month.